Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I will be your solo host today, Mr. Richard Geiger. Ken is out partying all night long because that's what he does. Crazy dude. Anyway, we're going to have a discussion today on a couple items. One of which is a TV show, a series, and I know we don't talk about TV shows very much. And then the other one what we're going to talk about is actually a animated comic book movie right up our alley. So something that we would normally talk about. Anywho, we're going to get started on the first part of the discussion today, which is a Showtime show that some of you may be familiar with. Some may not be familiar with. Uh, I'm referring to, of course, Dexter. Now, the original Dexter series, I do believe you can find right now on Netflix. And if you haven't watched it, definitely recommend. It's not a perfect show. And there's some goofiness to it. There's some fun things to it. There's a couple seasons that just kind of go out of control and a couple seasons that kind of tone everything down. But for the most part, the characters remain pretty consistent, introduce new bad guys, new situations, new variations of things. Uh, There's a lot of content. It's eight seasons, almost 100 episodes. There's a lot to chew up and and watch if you haven't watched it already. Uh, I remember watching Netflix originally, I mean, uh, not Netflix, huh, funny, uh, watching Dexter on Netflix originally via DVD, if you guys remember how Netflix used to work. So you would get a DVD in the mail, you'd watch that, you'd ship it back, and then you'd get another one. Good times, huh? So everything, of course, is just all pumped onto Netflix, you can watch Gosh, each episode is probably about an hour long. So we're talking, you know, under 100 hours here of content. That's a lot of shows to watch if you haven't watched it. But uh, basically, Dexter is the story of a serial killer who lives in plain sight. And the people that he kills are actually, quote, bad guys. And he works for the police department as a forensics expert a blood spatter expert which makes the whole situation even more entertaining and the way he gets into situations and out of situations at times can be a little you know crazy and of course he has a real life outside of all that where he gets married he has a kid um then he the in one of the seasons it's a crazy one his wife gets murdered by another serial killer and they he has to raise the son on his own and his sister is kind of a driving force who also works for the police department sister's a very strong uh, character present in the whole entire series and you have this involvement and you have this investment of watching this now i should say originally like i said we started watching it on Netflix via the DVDs. It's a Showtime series, so when we were able to get Showtime, we could just watch it, but it came out weekly. So it's one of those things where you'd have that anticipation. You'd wait, hey, it's Sunday, it's time to watch Dexter. But that was also before 
those, those services had a corresponding streaming service with them. So if you didn't watch it on Sunday and you didn't have some type of DVR service, you had to make sure that you found another time, or if you couldn't watch it on Showtime East, that you could watch it on Showtime West at a different time. Um, we feel so privileged now because we can pretty much watch whatever we want, whenever we want, but it wasn't that long ago that that wasn't an option. But the series progressed. You had this investment. You had the characters. You had all the people that you liked. And then it ended with a really not-so-fulfilling ending. And that was just kind of how it was left. And everybody was like, uh, what? So some people were dead. Uh, you know, Dexter's sister was dead. He got away and he moved to some isolated place in the country where he would just work doing jobs in the snow and that was the end of it and it was just like the weirdest like i said unfulfilled not spectacular ending to a series so when we found out that they were going to not reboot not refresh but continue from where the last show ended and start a new series we were like, well, how how are they going to handle that? What are they going to do? When you watch the previews, and remember I said the sister character was a very strong character to begin with. When you watch the trailers, the previews were like, she was in the trailers. And we're like, how does that make sense? She's dead. So I want to get into some of the presentations that we saw for the new series. Now, I want to revisit one thing I mentioned before, that this is a, a Showtime series. So the only way to really watch this continuation, which is technically called Dexter New Blood, is to watch it on Showtime. And, you know, let's give an honest opinion of the content that's on Showtime. It's not exactly the greatest, right? So a lot of folks don't invest their money into Showtime. You can get, if I'm not mistaken, I think it, it might still be available. There was a student version of Spotify Premium that you could get that was, of course, Spotify with no ads, Hulu with ads, and Showtime with ads. So you could get all of those together for a discounted rate. It was a great, great deal. But we have, as a family, Hulu Live which is its own mess and its own discussion uh, because the streaming services have just kind of changed so much in the last few years that the prices have just skyrocketed on all of them. So we're, we're back to, hey, if you have a cable service, it might actually be cheaper to get all your local stations and your live sports through the cable because all the streaming things have just gone so crazy in pricing. But Showtime, I, I, I think, is one of those services that most people easily overlook because there's, although there are good shows, there's just not a lot of great content on it. But I bring up having Hulu because I could add Showtime on for like $4 a month for the first four months. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll pay 16 bucks to be able to watch this show. I'm cool with that. You know, 4 bucks a month spread over four months, that's, that's not awful. So... Here we are. We've got 
Dexter New Blood. And the one key element with that is that it, of course, returned Michael C. Hall, which is the key element. If they're not going to have the original Dexter, why bother? And uh, like I mentioned before, the one other character that kind of resurfaced frequently was Jennifer Carpenter, uh, Deborah Morgan, the character that died in the original series. And she was in quite a few episodes of New Blood. There was a, there was flashbacks, of course. They did a lot of flashbacks and sequences to the first, you know, the first eight seasons, particularly the first, you know, handful of seasons, which focused more on the character development and the individual characters themselves. Although I will say uh, David Zayas, uh, who played Angel Batista in the main series and was all throughout the, the, the first eight seasons, he actually made a couple appearances in a clever way in uh, this series as well. So it's good to see some familiar faces. And, and like I said, via flashbacks, you saw a handful of the other characters as well. Um, so n nothing necessarily new or reprisals or anything like that. Just revisioning or revise, uh, returning to previous scenes from the previous first eight seasons. Now, we kind of come on Dexter in the first episode as he, like, we've established his character. He works at a, a local, um, like a sporting goods store. He's been in this town for 10 years. People know him by a different name, so he changed his name. He's in a relationship with the town sheriff. And things seem to be going well. He lives on a property out in the woods. He does his own thing. He, for the most part, is left alone. And he gets these flashbacks every once in a while. Or it's almost like he's talking to himself, but he's not. And the person that he's talking to is his sister. So that's how she appears. She appears via, well, mental images, um... Part of his, you know, mental instability kind of popping up where he's talking to himself, but not because she appears in real life, but not in real life. So it's an interesting way to bring that character back because she was so important and such a good, good piece of the first series. Um, but what we see here is that he's living his life. He no one knows who he is. And then, of course, as Dexter works in previous series, you know, things get interesting and they kind of go downhill from there because of all the intermingling of the things. And what actually happens is there is a group of people that come into the sporting goods store. They want to buy a gun. The kid's kind of a jerk. He's had a family in the in the area for a long time, like his dad still lives there. But the kid's kind of a not a nice person and anyway Dexter's out one time after he he sold the gun he's delivered the gun he's heard stories about this kid and when Dexter's out in the morning doing his like morning routine which is hunting without actually killing anything anyway there's like a a white stag that's out and he always kind of stalks the white stag but never kills it and then this jerk kid with the new gun kills it when Dexter is standing right next to it. Like he gets the deer blood splatter on him from where the, the kid shot the deer. 
And the kid runs up to him, he's like, yeah, I got it. And Dexter just basically smashes him in the face with the gun. And then his, he falls backwards and lands on a rock. And so, yeah, the kid's dead. So Dexter has killed somebody again for the first time in a long time. So now it's all about his covering up, protecting the details, going back to his old roots. But then the complication comes because his son, Harrison, finds him. I think they're actually in New York, upstate New York. Harrison finds him. And then it's all downhill from there. So it's interesting how they build on the different characters, how they build on the relationships between the different characters. And it's interesting how they've managed to kind of have some cleanup from the first generation of Dexter. Because one of the questions easily was, well, what happened to Harrison, right? So Harrison went to South America lived with a person, that person got cancer and died, and Harrison was trying to find his father and eventually made his way because of some details and some information and a letter that Dexter wrote, finds him in upstate New York, and he shows up, and it's like, oh boy, what happens? Hilarity ensues. Not hilarity, but it throws a big complication into the story, right? And it you know, as you trickle through the episodes, it's revealed that this is actually Dexter and they thought he was dead. Well, it's not a crime to say that you're dead and then move and change your name and all these interesting details. But this life that he has built is now starting to crumble and fade away. And one of the interesting little tidbits that we find in here is that the person who... Dexter killed the kid. His dad is played by none other than Clancy Brown. I mean, Clancy Brown, let me do a clap right here. Clancy Brown is, we've talked about it on the podcast before. He is one of our all-time favorites. He is a great voice actor. I'm telling you, you've heard his voice in many, many things. And you've seen his face in many, many things. And it's great in this one because you can kind of tell, you can kind of tell where his character's going, but he's kind of um, like a, a town feel good, like he's a townie, right? So he's been there for a while and he's established and everybody knows him and loves him and they know his son and they know everything about him. He's got a trucking company, he's got a diner, so he's a pretty popular guy within the town. But you kind of know something's up with him. So it, it just turns out to be that down the road, of course, he is ultimately Dexter's adversary in so many psychological ways. I don't know. It's just a great Clancy Brown's awesome. And it's hard to say anything more about it than he's a great actor. When I saw him show up, I was I was excited. Um, my wife and I have watched all these episodes. We were excited to watch this. And when I say, hey, it's Clancy Brown, she's like, uh, okay. <laughs> so she hasn't watched all the same shows and comic book things that, that we have. So it's, for me, I was that was the most exciting part was to see Clancy Brown in this. But 
usually the episodes in the original Dexter series. The the series, if I'm not mistaken, most of them were a dozen episodes. And this series ended up being 10 episodes. Not that that's a big deal. You know, a lot of streaming services, how they deal with their content now, they usually revolve around 10 episodes. Um, so you had to pace through things a little quicker in this one than what you would had to have paced through them in the original lineup. But it was okay. Um, ultimately what we see was things that kind of intermingled with storylines and they kind of came to, you know, fruition. Dexter kind of goes back to his old ways, but he can't cover up things. Technology's different now. That's one of the other things I wanted to touch on too, is that in the first eight seasons, your flip phone was your technology, right? So there was internet, but not like it is now. There wasn't podcasts like there are now. There wasn't investigative YouTube channels and things like there are now. There wasn't any of that technology not that long ago. And that was kind of touched on a bit in this too, is, you know, originally in the the things that Dexter did and how he hid and how he covered up evidence and how he was never around, there's no way any of that could happen now. So because he was in such a remote place, some of that surveillance aspect of it went away, but some of it was clearly in place in this too. So the the fact that he couldn't get away from technology, I think was ultimately his undoing in this particular series. And if you watch it or you have watched it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, because the internet is, the internet is so prevalent now. Information is so available now, not like what it was before. Databases are bigger. Pictures are online. Everything's virtual now. So you can find information from all over the world now. And that's, like I said, ultimately how ultimately how Jim Lindsay was revealed to be Dexter and how Dexter was actually found to be, you know, not a good person. And it was an interesting path to see, like, yeah, like, why didn't all the police officers investigating this 10 years ago discover any of this stuff before when this person in upstate New York who deals with little to no crime was able to kind of uncover it over the course of a couple weeks. So, you know, some there are some things in this one that make sense and played off as make sense, made sense, but like just the, the pacing on it and the turnaround was interesting. One other little tidbit, I, I mentioned how the Angel character made an appearance too and how they were clever about that. He was actually a guest at a police conference in Manhattan, I think. And the sheriff from this town wanted to go to the conference. So they took a trip and they saw him as a guest speaker. And some of the details and the things that he was talking about kind of triggered a response with, you know, the, the police chief. Um, and so they, they kind of got each other's information. So they were an established character couple episodes later she contacted Angel about some information that she had found and was wondering you know like oh my gosh this is what happened like dug a little deeper into things so it it was interesting how they brought his character back because I feel like in the in 
the original series that he was a pretty well-liked character. We liked him, too. Um, all in all, if we go through the cast in this, like we mentioned, Michael C. Hall was there. Harrison Morgan was played by Jack Alcott. Um, not exactly familiar with a lot of the things that he has done. I mean, he's been in a few things, but I've I've not really recognized him at all. But he did fine. He played a good, he played a good Harrison Morgan. Um, the sheriff I was mentioning, the sheriff Angela Bishop, was played by Julia Jones, and she's been in a few things um, recently. I think you'd probably recognize her honestly from The Mandalorian would be a more recent thing. She was in a character from I think the second season of that. But she's been around. She's played a lot of different things. And she actually did a pretty good job in this one as well. Um, Audrey Bishop was the daughter and, you know, potential love interest for Jack, for Harrison's character, played by Johnny Sequoia. She did really good, too. You know, a, a lot of the a lot of the people who are in this. They didn't overact. They weren't bad at acting. They actually just did what they needed to do. And she's not been in a lot of things either, so you won't maybe recognize her very much, but she did a fine job as well. Um, then there was another character, Logan, played by Alano Miller. He did pretty good, too. He, he played kind of that friendly neighborhood character. He was the coach of the wrestling team, but he was also a police officer in town, very well liked by the rest of the folks in the town. And he's been in a handful of things, too, but... It might not be an actor that you recognize. So they've pulled in a lot of fresh faces or maybe a few unfamiliar faces to put in place here. And honestly, the whole cast was good. The The scenery was good. I know we talk about cinematography and choreography and we talk about you know the places that the, the parts were at. Everything was pretty solid in this in this series. The plot, like I said, you're going to run into this with any of the Dexter series where things just seem inconceivable. How did they get into this particular situation? And there was some of that in this, too. There's no way around it with the Dexter episode when you find evidence, but evidence gets overlooked or you go to this cave and there's dead bodies in the cave. Well, you're telling me no one's been in this cave in the last 20 years to find this body. I mean, there's just all types of interesting little, little, little bits of info that pop up that make you question exactly what's going on or why things are, but they played into the plot. They played into how things worked. So it, it's, it's not like there's a lot of surprises and there's a few interesting twists, but nothing that's, Nothing that's too out, you know, out, out of picture character for a Dexter show. So all in all, I, I feel like if you if you watched the original Dexter and you were wondering what happened or you were interested in the continuation of the storyline, that this kind of fulfills your desires, let's say. It's worth watching. If you have the opportunity and you can go to Showtime and you do have the subscription, definitely watch it. If you have the availability to pay for it and it's not 10 bucks a month and you want to watch it, at this point, all the episodes are out. You could binge them all, get your subscription or get a trial for a month and watch it. I would recommend doing it. Um, 
if you're gonna pay ten bucks a month to get the subscription, eh, Showtime, I'm sorry, it's just not worth it. Uh, I don't know. It's up to you. I would say if you are, you are invested in Dexter, it's worth it to spend a few bucks to watch this. Is there closure from the original series? Yes. Is there an ending in this one that's not exactly pleasing? Yes. Will there be more Dexter potentially later on? I don't know. Uh, watch it. See for yourself. But I definitely think it's uh, worth checking out if you were a Dexter fan. This uh, gives us a little time to pause and remind folks to check out some information for the Pudding Guys. We have a great website, puddingguys.com, to check out all the information. Ken works really hard on the website. Uh, Ken and his wife work really hard on the website. Uh, he works really hard on the database. Uh there's a lot of information available. If you want to search for information that's right now comic book related and it has something to do with movies, uh, it's the only resources that's going to have everything in it. Soon, all the movies will be up to be able to invest your time, uh, share what your thoughts are on any movie, share what your grading scale may be on any movie. So definitely worth a visit. Uh, that costs a lot of time and money. Patreon.com slash putting guys is a way to help, uh, especially uh, Ken, to get that stuff up and running as efficiently as it can be. If you have questions, comments about anything, we are on Twitter, Real Putting Guys, Instagram, Putting Guys, Facebook's there too for Putting Guys. Um, it's just a way to kind of keep up if you have any questions or if you want to do a response or you want to post something or you want to tag us in something. That's the place to do it, so let us know. All right, the second thing I wanted to discuss for this podcast was actually a animated comic book movie. Now, the reason that this maybe wouldn't fall into the normal category is, of our reviews is, well, one... It's animated. And two, the material isn't necessarily based on a comic book. So what I'd like to review is Injustice. Um, it's been released for a little while. It was out last year, but I was able to watch it on HBO Max. I'll talk about HBO Max in just a little bit. But Injustice is based on the video game. So if you've played Injustice, and there's, a, I think, a sequel to Injustice as well, it's got a lot of cutscenes, like multiple hours worth of cutscenes and like various arcing storylines. And then that video game storyline, they've actually put into a comic later. And then now that storyline is put into an animated movie. And it just popped up on HBO Max, which in discussing, you know, the Showtime and me personally thinking it's not worth the 10 bucks per month subscription to get Showtime. I definitely think if you have the opportunity to have a subscription to HBO Max, that it is it may be the best of the streaming services available right now. And Disney's got a lot of content on it. Netflix, of course, has tons of content on it. 
But I don't know. There's something about HBO Max right now that just kind of fulfills a lot of the stuff that I've been wanting to watch. There's a lot of comic book stuff on there. It's obviously all DC stuff. There's a lot of great series. There's a lot of sci-fi things. There's a lot of great movies that pop up on there. Um, last year was great because every month they put a movie straight straight to the streaming service. You know, if you wanted to watch the, the Matrix movie, you could watch it in the theater, but you could watch it right on HBO Max. Now, I don't, that's not going to be the case for Warner Brothers this year, but... Right now, I would say HBO Max is one of my favorite streaming, if not my favorite streaming service. Anyway, back to the the actual movie. If you've got some, some time, this one's actually pretty easy, easy to digest. It's about an hour and 15 minutes long, so it's not like you've got to sit there and watch anything for two hours. But what it comes down to is... A storyline for the Justice League, but we're, we're, we're going to focus primarily on Superman and Batman and to a smaller extent, uh, Wonder Woman and a few other characters as well. The thing about this movie that makes it unique is that it's it's basically an, a Earth 22. You know, if you're talking about the, the different multiverse realms and which version, you know, DC Comics address this a lot. When you're in, when you are a character in that Earth, that is Earth One, and when you find other Earths and different, you know, timelines, it is Earth Twenty Two or Earth whatever. But so this is technically a a slightly different Earth variant, let's call it. And what what it comes down to is there are certain characteristics of our favorite characters. And what if those certain characteristics were kind of tweaked a little bit? And in this one, it's it's really, it's Superman. So I, I think that's one of the things that when you see a Superman movie or you read stuff about Superman, we kind of forget a little bit that Superman just wants to fit in and Superman wants to be a, quote, normal human right he wants to have a family he wants to be perceived as just a normal person he's a he wants to fit in let's put it that way and in this one it touches on one little thing which i don't think is overlooked if superman's got all these hyper sensitive you know senses right so hearing and and sight when he's sleeping he hears everything Right. He's constantly listening for things that might go wrong. He's constantly hearing things and he hears Lois and he hears a second heartbeat from Lois. Oh, Lois, you're pregnant. So like he ruins any types of <laughs> surprises from that standpoint. But anyway, like that, this is the basis of this story is that Superman is going to have a son, daughter, a child He's he's going to be able to live this life with a family. It's going to be great. And Batman's still batter, batter, battling his bad guys, particularly Joker. And it gets into this situation where Lois is trying to report on stories and gets kidnapped by Joker. And Joker has kind of stolen the, uh, the gas from... 
He's a scarecrow and he's stolen kryptonite. So he's made the fear toxin with kryptonite and he gives it to Superman when he comes to try and rescue Lois. And Lois looks like uh, a, a bad guy. So he's like, I'm going to kill you. Right. And then he basically he kills Lois thinking that it's not Lois. And, of course, Superman's devastated. But more importantly, he's super angry at the Joker for putting him in that situation. And this is where we step into a certain boundary, right? Superman doesn't kill people. Like, that's not what he does. Um, Even though he rampages through cities and defends people but destroys buildings and they collapse and I'm sure there's dead people in the building but anyway that's never touched on Uh, anywho um, when you see doomsday coming at you you've got to defend yourself against doomsday so he takes doomsday up into the atmosphere but oh it's Lois so yes he's killed Lois that's kind of how the original story worked and then uh, Joker's in prison and you're not going to stop Superman so he just breaks into the prison and he kills the Joker. Like, that's you, you don't, like, Superman doesn't kill, but his life has been ruined by the Joker. And basically, what we see from here is kind of a world now <clears throat> where the most powerful being in the world is like, I don't want anything like this to happen. So I'm going to take crime prevention into my own hands and basically just goes all over the world and stops anything bad from happening with little disregard to what happens to those people. He's already killed one person. You're like, what does it matter at this point? And so the world ends up living in this police state where you can do nothing for fear that Superman and now, you know, with that as well is going to be, um, Wonder Woman, uh, Hawkman's in there as well. So he's got some some allies who kind of agree with him that like, you know what? We need to take things into our own hands so that bad things don't happen. Well, of course, Batman and his side of the argument don't necessarily agree with that stance and that standard. So it then becomes a way to figure out how they can balance or then how they can stop Superman from doing what he's doing. The only way that you're going to stop Superman is with another Superman. And that's kind of how the story progresses, right? You know, Mr. Terrific's in this. I love Mr. Terrific. Very smart man. But Mr. Terrific's kind of been taken over by Superman. He's imprisoned by Superman so that Superman has him do all the things technology-wise that he needs to do to control the world. And Batman's got to rescue Mr. Terrific so that they can figure out a way to, they have, they have an idea, they have all types of things. Well, this goes back to the idea that this is not the only Earth, there are other dimensions with other Earths in it. And so they have to bring a Superman from another dimension. Anyway, it kind of, the whole concept of the movie, where it's Superman takes a little bit of a twist and he upholds his, I want to protect humanity, but now I'm going to protect humanity in the ultimate way. I tried to fit in. That's not going to work. Now I got to be me. 
And it's an interesting, like I said, this little variant on how the Superman character could be perceived. And a lot of the other elements that they sh they show in here, too, is that these superheroes in the DC world are vulnerable and can be hurt or killed. So same thing with the bad guys, too. There are a handful of instances in which our heroes and our bad guys just get straight destroyed. So there's no holding back and this is definitely and there's not like it's a ton of blood and gore in this movie but it is if i'm not mistaken it is rated r because of all the people that do die and the blood that is in it when they die so it's it's an interesting kind of concept it's an interesting presentation i like how they addressed some of the characters uh, i like how they addressed for instance, the the League of Shadows, right? So the League of Shadows is like, well, we feel the same way. We've always felt that, you know, for example, Gotham was just such a bad place to be and there needed to be a reset. This is our way to reset. And that gets played into its own, own narrative. Uh, so you have Ra's al Ghul trying to say, hey, Superman, you know what? We'll be on your side. And they bring in a, an Amazo character in a really interesting way in this, where it's something that was designed by the League of Shadows to help with the world. But re in reality, it was there to take down all the superheroes. So it was an interesting, interesting way to introduce that character into the show as well. But you had a lot of your favorites in here. Like I said, Wonder Woman was in there. Um, Green Arrow, Flash, Catwoman, Nightwing was in it too. Even saw Mirror Master, Shazam, Harley Quinn, Plastic Man held a big part in this one too. Um, there was a lot of just fun main characters and then a lot of side characters too that play along well with the whole family of, of DC. So... If you have the opportunity, if you played the video games, this storyline isn't necessarily going to play exactly how the video games played. But the core elements of this, which were, you know, Superman kills Lois, kills the Joker, and how they do it, that matches up pretty well with the, the storyline. But if you like DC characters you like some vulnerability you like a different take on the dc characters in general this is a great i think it's a great show to watch is it the most complete no are there some things that aren't the best in terms of the plot line yes the endings not the best but it's it's a great i guess i'm always hungry for different storylines, especially for comic books, and DC tends to do that in their animated uh, features, where they'll just take things in different directions than what you would normally get. If you have the time and it's worth it to you, when you have HBO Max, you can stream it for free. Of course, you can actually rent this or you can purchase this film as well. And if you have a collection of DC items, I think this is a great addition 
to your collection. The voice acting is great. The animation is solid. The storyline and the concepts of the storyline are actually pretty solid. Like I said, it just kind of falls apart a little bit at the end. But otherwise, this is a solid feature. Um, if we were doing a complete grading scale for this, it would definitely be in the 70s. Um, it, it, is not, it is not a bad film at all and definitely worth your time. So, have any of you out there watched Dexter New Blood? Or have you watched Injustice? And do you have some thoughts on ways that you know, New Blood could continue or things that you were disappointed in. Or if you played Injustice, which I have not, and you watched this, you were disappointed in parts of the storyline, you know, let us know. Give us some feedback on what you think. And until next time, Pudding People. Pudding People.